Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Let's just welcome him to this place this morning. Father God, we welcome you with open arms, Father. You are the reason we are here, is for you. And this morning, we welcome you to reign in this place, to speak to our hearts. Father, today we choose to honor you because you are a good God and a faithful God. So, Father, come and have your way amongst us today. We pray in Jesus' name. We want to welcome everybody to Spruce Grove Community Church. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're with us. We pray today is a special day for you, a day that the Lord will minister to your heart in a way that he's never ministered to it before. How many believe the Lord is here in this place? He is here. I just want to read a passage out of Psalms 34. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord that all who are discouraged take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatest greatness. Let us exalt his name together. And this morning, we choose to exalt his name together. Whether we're full of faith or we're discouraged this day, we choose to honor him because he is the way, the truth, and the light. Amen? So let's worship God together today. Amen. So let's just put this into practice right now. If you've got a need, whatever it is, something that you've been praying about, something that you've been asking the Father to come in and shift, change, I just want you to stand to your feet. And I want us to lift these things up to the Lord because we're singing a song about the fact that He will not fail us. This is the God who sees everything that's going on, every issue, every problem. And he does not fail. He does not fail. Can we say amen to that? Our God does not fail. It may not look like it at times. It may look a little sketchy and scary. But our God does not fail. He knows what he's doing. So I want you to take whatever that thing is that's weighing on your heart, that need, that family member that needs prayer, whatever it is, we're going to lift it to him. We're going to give it to Him because He wants it. And He wants us to do this in faith, believing that He can actually touch these needs. That's who He is. And so, Father God, right now, we say You are a good God. You are a faithful God. You do meet our needs. You do love us. You do care about us. And You have not forgotten about anybody in this room. And, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray... Whatever the need is, that you would touch it, that you would shift it, that you would change it. God, that you would bring healing, that you would bring deliverance, that you would bring salvation, salvation to family members that many have been praying for for years. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we believe, we believe you are a good God and you are a faithful God. Can we say amen to that? Just before we transition... You're going to get to meet uh, a friend of ours, Jose Mendez. Just before the service, uh, I hope I don't wreck your story here. You can fix it after. But, you know, he shared something so simple with me. He was at the Edmonton Airport. And uh, 
His ride didn't show up and stuff, so he had to get an Uber. Should take five or ten minutes. His first time doing this. Ended up taking 45 minutes. So a little bit of frustration gets in there. What is going on? What is happening? And he gets in this Uber finally, and he ends up being with this Muslim man. And he ends up sharing his faith the entire time. And at the end of this journey, God is moving in his heart. Now, he didn't give his life to the Lord at that moment, but God was doing something in his heart. And you can share some of those details if you want. But I share that to say this, is even though sometimes it doesn't look like things are under control, that things sometimes seem to appear as as if they're going wrong, he is still in control. In fact, he's got a perfect plan. It's in place, and he is working on it right now. And we have to trust him in that. Can we trust him in that? Can we trust him in that? Can we say amen to that? Yeah. We need to do that. Well, we've got a lot going on this morning. Uh, We're going to be taking communion at the end of the service. Uh, We've got Pastor Mark, who came all the way. Were you in Lloydminster? All the way from Lloydminster to be with us this morning. And he's sicker than a dog, so we're going to pray for him, right? And we got Jose Mendez, right? He's the fellow I've told you all about him. Mark's told you about him. We went to Peru together, and we watched this man lead everybody to the Lord that he came in contact with. I mean, we have somebody in front of us who has honored the Lord through the gift of evangelism. And it's so beautiful to see what God does through this man, and it was such an honor to be with him. You're going to get to hear from him a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. So let's invite Jose Mendez to come up. Uh, Man- what? Mendoza? Why do I say Mendez? We're going to figure this out. Oh, wrong people. Okay. Uh, I, I just love this guy, man, and I'm so excited that we get to take our team to Peru with him. And so he's at Missions Fest right now and just said, hey, can I stop by? And we're like, yes, because our church needs to get to know him a bit. You need to know who we're going to Peru with. And so just share whatever the Lord's placed on your heart. Okay, thank you. Well, first of all, I'm just, uh, I'm just blessed to be here to worship with you guys. Since, man, I just, just entered into the worship. I loved it. I love this kind of atmosphere, and uh, I just sense just a, just a faith-filled house here, and so that's awesome. Brother Mark, I've known Brother Mark for, uh, or should I say Pastor Mark? <laughs> uh, I was actually a student at Bible College at Christ for the Nations when he was a teacher back in the early 90s, so we know each other way back. So he knew me when I was single, so we go back at least 25 years at least. So praise God, it's good to be here, uh, Pastor Mark, and where's your wife, Wendy? Hey, haven't seen you in about 25 years. <laughs> Good to see you. Oh, what a blessing it is. And it was a joy to have uh, our last trip when uh, Mark also went. And um, it was an uh, amazing trip. And uh, God is doing wonderful things. And I was just reminded of a story where, uh, uh, where there, we were on the plaza of Cusco. And Chris went up to talk to this guy, and he was from the States. Remember, right, Washington, D.C.? And he went to talk to him. Little did we know that this guy was on his way that day to fly out of Cusco back to Washington, D.C., and the Lord told him to go to Cusco because somebody was going to talk to him, and he had a spirit of fear gripping his heart. Is it, Am I right? And it was amazing that... Chris, you know, 
took that step of faith, talked to him, and then afterwards I was able to share with him, and we prayed for him, and God used that encounter. Chris was that contact that God was going to use to set him free from a spirit of fear. Isn't that awesome? You see, you never know what God's going to do. Whenever you travel, God has got it already orchestrated for you, planned out, just as the Scripture says that He directs the steps of the righteous. And if we can get a hold of it on our spirit, it doesn't matter where you go, you're already being directed by the Lord. Can I say amen? Come on, I can say amen. <laughs> okay, so I just want to hopefully fill you with some, some of the fire God has given me. And you know what? We all need it. We need the Holy Spirit to move upon us. And uh, sometimes some of us need a kick. You know what I mean? Can, can I talk like I'm from, I'm from Mexico? You know what I mean? And in Mexico, I mean, you get a good kick. Here is soft. But over there, man, it hurts. Okay? But I'll tell you what. God is looking, and he's just like the Scripture talks. He's looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth, right? But he's also looking for, just as Jesus says, look and at the, the harvest is ripe. It is plenty. I mean, it's so big, you guys, we cannot handle. That's why Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. My prayer for you is that you be those workers. Because the harvest is too big for the few that are going out there. And I'm hoping that through this team that's going, that you would continue just to continue to grow in that area. Because I believe every church should be involved in rescuing souls for the kingdom of God. Amen? I'll tell you, because remember, you are a recipient of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Somebody came to talk to you about Jesus. Therefore, you need to go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? All right, so I I was actually saved from drug overdose. Can you believe that? And I'm telling you, I got caught up when I was 16 years old. Started with marijuana. Now it's legal. Now I can do it again. No problem. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> now I don't have to worry about getting in trouble. <laughs> Anyways, so and I remember my dad telling me, son, don't ever try marijuana. It only takes once and you're on a down, downward slope. You know what I said to my dad? Dad, that'll never happen to me. Eight years later, I'm on, on the verge of death knocking on my door. Because of drugs. And it started with that. And I just remember I was very religious because I was a Catholic. It's the only thing I knew. Okay, but I didn't know the Bible. All I remember, I was in my room. Next thing I know, death was waiting for me to take me. And I just remembered God giving me a vision of hell. And I just said, Lord, I don't want to go there. Get Save me from this. And that was my encounter with Jesus. It was a radical encounter with Jesus. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But that encounter transformed my whole life. The next thing I know, God sent me into the army and all this stuff. But, but to make a long story short, that was my encounter with Jesus. And then I look back, I said, Lord, look what you have done with my life. Transformed it completely. Now I'm traveling around the world, taking the gospel everywhere I go. And I want to share a couple of things of my journey of how God used that encounter and then you know, he deposits in every one of us gifts, right? And every one of us has one or more gifts that flow through you, okay? We all do. That's part of his, his, uh, his ways of working through us. But I believe that every one of us 
don't have to have the gift of evangelism to do it. Why? Because the scripture talks about, Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And he's talking to a pastor. Because Paul had a heart for the lost. And every one of us here need to do the work of an evangelist. As a matter of fact, Paul even says to Philemon, he says, I pray that you would, be, that you would share and be involved in sharing your faith. That is what the Lord's been speaking to me, you know, and I remember a number of years ago, the Lord spoke this to me, and, and I know it resounds in some of your hearts, and it says when, when you recognize what God has done for you, what he's rescued you out of, there's a passage that says those who have been forgiven much, love much. Sometimes we need to reflect where you were when you were, when you were the place without Christ and what he has done for you to contemplate that. And I believe that the love of God will begin to flow through you. And the love of God will begin to motivate you and mobilize you to say, man, I've got to tell somebody else. And that's what the Spirit of God does in you. He's got to do it. I can't make you. I I mean, I can kick you, but I ain't going to go too far. You understand what I'm saying? So throughout my life, my heart was, I got to tell people about Jesus. And it's been growing and growing. Now, can I tell you, it wasn't easy at the beginning. Because the spirit of fear intimidation. I mean, they are, they're an enemy that will come against you. That is the work of the evil one. He'll do whatever he can to stop the work of the harvest, okay? But you're facing an enemy, but man, God is greater, amen? There's no reason that you have to say, oh, what am I going to do here? Uh, you got, this enemy's attacking me. No, you just keep walking because God is with you. And once you recognize it, you'll see what God will do through you. But I want to share a couple of things that God did in my life that helped me to keep moving forward. I remember, now I have a painting business, I have my own uh, uh, company, and uh, it was by the grace of God, of course, Pastor Mark knows this, when I graduated from the Bible college there, I came on staff, and I was with Christ for the Nations for 11 years, teaching evangelism, and traveling uh, with, the, with the school, um, with the uh, students, taking them on trips, but in this particular time, I remember the Lord told me, it's time to resign, I have another assignment for you, and I went into the... Um, uh, into the painting business, and Brother John Lowndes, or not John Lowndes, but uh, Brother from the, from the Bible College had a painting business. Say, hey, listen, I'm resigning. I need to work. He says, yeah, come work for me, and I started working for John Lowndes. You guys know John Lowndes. I worked for him as well. We, we were actually in Bible school together as well, and the next thing I know, little did I know that God was going to use my company to release me more to traveling in the mission field, but during my time that I was working as a painter, I remember I was doing, I was painting this um, wash world, which is a car wash, and I'm up on this platform painting away, and down below me was all these, the, the trades, the plumbers, the electricians, and the bricklayers, and all this, and, and they were swearing up a storm, and I was just going, oh, I just hate this, and I was telling the Lord, I'll be honest with you, I was complaining to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be here, I want to be on the mission field. How many have done that before? I was so blind. And then the next thing I know, the Spirit of the Lord came down. Now, nobody knew what was happening except me. Okay, because I'm up on top of this platform, high above, about eight feet high, painting some high walls, and everybody's on the, on the main floor. And the Spirit of God came down, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, then who's going to tell them about me? If you don't. 
And then I realized at that very moment that God was saying, I put you here not for your business, but to reach these souls because that's your harvest field right now. And I began to see my job as my, my field now. And I go everywhere I go now with, with, with my customers. Uh, and I remember this one lady in White Rock, 92 years old. She's visiting from Saskatchewan, visiting in White Rock, her daughter. And I happened to be painting her house, her daughter's house. She went out to have a cup of tea. I said to myself, it's 10 o'clock, it's time for tea. So I went and sat down with her, started sharing with her. And I asked her, I'm, I'm going to make it short. I got to the point. I go for the juggler vein. I just don't have time on my, on my break. I just said to her, I, after I you know, asked her a few questions, but I did ask her this. I said, now, you've been an Anglican for 50 years. I said, that's wonderful. I said, but do you believe that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? She looked at me and goes, why? I hope so because I'm a good person. And she went on telling me everything about what everybody says, how good they are. And I said, you know the Bible says you can't get to heaven that way? She says, what? She was so shocked. And I shared the gospel with her. She got saved. No joke. God, my witness. She got up and started dancing. She's going, what's happening to me? And I'm just going. So I was so thrilled. Now, that was an encounter by the Lord, okay? But you know what? Had I just said to myself, you know, I don't have time for tea right now. I got to finish my job. I got to do this. I would have missed the opportunity that God has placed right before me for this person to get saved. And then, of course, going, traveling to Peru now. I've been traveling for 18 years. This, I just actually made my 25th trip uh, just last three months ago. And it was a tremendous time. But I just want to share a couple of stories with you just to ignite a fire in your heart. But I remember one encounter, not in Peru, but I want to share this one. I went to a mission trip with some 18 Americans from Dallas, Texas. They were from Christ for the Nations, one of the worship leaders there. And uh, I'm with them, and we go to, we're in the southern part of Mexico in Cancun area, but we went into the jungles, helped build a church. And they decided to, uh, to take a little break, and we went into Belize, the country of Belize, just the southern border of Mexico. We just went for the day. That's all it was. And we didn't know that it was going to be uh, that at 12 o'clock, all the stores closed. So we got there. We we're going to go have lunch, have picnic and all that. And we're, so we just grabbed snacks, and, the doors, and then the, the stores closed. We decided to go to this one park. And here we are. We all grabbed our snacks, and we're eating and, um, of course, I, did, I wasn't hungry, so I didn't buy anything. I just didn't want junk food at the time. But So I'm walking around, and my, I'm already thinking, I wonder who I could talk to. And I see this old man. He was about 70, 75, and there was a younger woman with him. She was probably about 45, 50. I said, okay, I'm going to go talk to him. Went up to them, introduced myself, found out he was from California, I, had, I said, hey, I'm from California. We kind of, we connected because we kind of knew a number of places. We, before we knew it, we had a great time talking. So I started sharing the gospel. And this encounter changed a lot of things in my life. This gentleman, I le- led him to the Lord and his girlfriend, which I thought it was daughter when I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> and all I remember is, as soon as he got saved, he looked at me. He said, now, now I understand. And I'm listening. I'm going, okay, what do you mean you understand? He goes, when I was leaving this apartment, 
a voice said to me, don't go to that park, go to that park. And I'm going, what's, I was going, well, what, who's this thing speaking to me? He goes, oh, so he decided to go to that park. And then he says, you know why? And he looked right at me. I die because you were supposed to tell me about Jesus. And I mean, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that God is directing the steps of people to cross your paths so that you would tell them about Jesus. Amen? So you don't even know what God is doing ahead of you. But if you pick up in the spirit and say, Lord, I know you're doing it, but where are they? And that tr- really changed my life right there in an amazing way. And then there was this other time in Peru. You know, we've, we take taxi drivers all the time, sometimes purposely just to go five-minute drive. But we do it because we have a captive audience. So we're sharing the gospel, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? I can't believe the harvest over there. I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you because I, I know Mark and, and Chris have seen it. But we're seeing it. I've been traveling for, like I said, 18 years. In those 18 years, I'm still seeing 90% of the people come into the kingdom. And you can go to the restaurants, talk to the clerks, the cooks, the waiters, waitresses, the police department. No matter where you go, they're getting saved. Because we're going there and we're seeing it. And so this one time, I'm t- catching the taxi, I'm you know, waiting and waiting. And this guy pulls me up. So I share the gospel with him. He gets saved. Next thing I know, I'm going to finish with this story. He gets saved, and then he says to me, well, thank you so much. Wow. And, you know, most taxi drivers, I've only seen one taxi driver twice. That's it. After that, I hardly ever see him because they come from all over the place. But this one guy got saved, and most of the time I never hear about from, from them. Six months later, I take another trip to Peru, and Pastor Julio who I've been working with for the last 16 years. You guys met him. And he says, Jose, I've got to share a story with you. He says, I was in Puerto Maldonado in the jungle, and I had to catch the bus on the way back. And a gentleman sat next to me. And we started talking. He found that I was a pastor. And he says, you know, I met this Mexican-Canadian guy. I picked him up. And he shared the gospel to me. Little did he know what I was going through. He shared the whole story with the pastor. The pastor shared with me later on. He says, Jose, he said to me that he had lost his family. The the cartels were chasing him because he had borrowed a lot of money, and somebody stole it, and he owed it, and they were looking for him to kill him. So he was on the verge of saying, I've lost everything. My wife took the kids. I've lost the house. I've got only the car. The only thing I can do with this car is try to make a living. I've got to make some money. He picked me up to make some money as a taxi driver. I was on, and he was on the verge of committing suicide, and I happened to get into his car that day. And he told the pastor, he said, had he not got in that car, I was on my way to commit suicide. He says, He said one thing that changed everything. He gave me hope, and it changed my direction of my life. And I've never heard, see, I hardly ever hear the people that I, you know, the Lord's given me the privilege to lead to because all I can do is say, Lord, I'll never see him again, but I still got to tell him because I have to release him into your hands that they will follow up with the, the information I'm giving them to connect with others in the church and stuff like that. 
But you know what? That story hit me like a ton of bricks. We don't know how many people are going through life and the enemy's trying to take them out. And God sends them at that last minute of their life to say, I got another person that will tell you the gospel. And I say to you today, will you be that one that's available? And to say, Lord, if you quicken my heart, I will go do it. Because that, folks, can I tell you, we're the only ones who know the truth about Jesus. We are the only ones who know that this is the only way men can be saved through the name of Jesus. We're the only ones that carry that message. If we don't tell them, then who is going to tell them? Amen? May the Lord bless you guys. And Pastor Mark, Chris, thank you for this invitation. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. I'm looking forward to connecting later on. Shalom. Wow. That, that's a great testimony, eh? That's, that's really inspiring. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in what's happening in my life. You know, I got a hangnail today and bumped my toe. You know, spilt my coffee on my white shirt. Man, I'm having a bad day. What if people that we're crossing paths with are in this condition? You know, um, man, that's, that's really sobering. Thank you. Thank you for that. Father, thank you. You know, um, it just reminded me, and I've told you this story before, about, about a, uh, somebody who was ha- highly used of the Lord. And somebody asked him, you know, how did this start? Like, what, you know, what, what did you do to, to, to get this going? He said, actually, he said there was a moment when years ago, he said, I was in my house, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me to get up and to go outside, to get dressed and to go outside. And I thought, oh, oh, this is going to be great. This is a, a kingdom encounter moment, you know. So he said, I got up, and I went out. And the Holy Spirit said, turn here. And I walked down that street, and the Holy Spirit said, turn there. And turn here and turn there. And, you know, I was just following this. He said about 15, 20 minutes later, I come around, and I realize the Holy Spirit's directing me back towards my neighborhood and my house. And next thing you know, I come right in front of my house, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, go in, take off your clothes, and go to bed. And he's sort of perplexed. He said, what's that about? And the Lord told him, he said, if you can't do it now when it doesn't matter, you won't be available when it does matter. You know, practice obedience. You think, oh, God, use me. God, use me. So God is going to take you to this critical moment where a guy's about to commit suicide and then have a 50-50 chance that you're going to capitulate to fear. Right? God's going to put that guy in your hands? Not a chance. Right? So there's something to be said for deliberate faithfulness. There's something to be said for a lifestyle that's always facing down my fears, my insecurities, always making a decision away from what do I need right now. We need, we need that. Because I believe we're about, we're, we're entering a phase of harvest, and your testimony is going to matter to somebody. You're, you know, uh, on the workplace, uh, 
People are alcoholics. And, and you know what? The thing is, they look like they got it all together. They don't. I shared my testimony last night at this banquet in Lloydminster, and, and, um, and a part of the testimony was, was that, you know, I, I was the biggest pretender there was. And, uh, you know, I was, I was playing a game. I was living a facade of being together and, and, you know, I mean, it was just such a lie. But I was so good at it at the time. Others were coming and confiding in me about their weakness and their emptiness, thinking I had something. I was lying so well. And what it did was it just opened the fact that, no, I'm a sham. But I know I'm a sham. I, I thought you had something. You were pretending too. And so the world needs life. The world needs reality. The world needs love. The world needs caring. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would lead us in how we should let our light shine to those around us this week. Lord, today, tomorrow, Father, in Jesus' name, we want to be used by you. So, Lord, help us to get over ourselves in Jesus' name. You know, we, we, we love patterns. We love patterns. You know, patterns are kind of like substitutes for us. And I talked about this before, that we, we do this in the kingdom, right? You know, when we don't know what to do, we mimic all right, and so we we pull from from what we're admiring or what we think somebody else is doing. We pull the form of that thing and then we mimic it, and and we try to, you know, do what they're doing. But that mimicking usually ends up being superficial, you know. And so I remember in the church, you know, we do that at number a number of junctures. But I remember one significant one was when the Vineyard Movement came around, and I had all these Pentecostal friends that wore suits to church and all of that. And, and all of a sudden, a bunch of them are, they're not wearing suits anymore and they're part of the vineyard and they're, they're, they got ponytails and Hawaiian shirts. And, you know, they, they traded in their, their suits for ponytails and Hawaiian shirts. You know, but that's a sincere effort to latch onto something. You know, I mean, people saw something in John Wimber. He was an apostolic leader that affected the church worldwide. And so what he had was significant. What he had was worth adopting. But I'm telling you, the most superficial part of that was the way he had his hair and the way he dressed. And, and to adopt that part of the pattern is not to get what he had. <laughs> it's not, that was not the essence of who John Wimber was. He was casual. He was, you know, easygoing, you know. Didn't, didn't talk like a preacher. He talked like somebody sipping on coffee. You know, like he had nowhere to go, not much to say. That was his manner. So people grabbed his manner as the template. <laughs> it's like, now I'm really anointed. <laughs> well, not so much. So we are looking for a pattern. We're looking for a template, a kingdom template. We're looking for some, because when we're praying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, there's, there's something to be brought from heaven to the earth. 
There's something, there's a system, there's a way of thinking, there's a way of functioning, there's a, there's a protocol, there's a value, uh, a series of values and ways of thinking and doing things. And we're trying to bring that to the earth, but we make the same mistake as people did with the vineyard by grabbing the, the superficial elements, the easiest one. Well, I'll change my clothes. You know, sometimes I get challenged by that because... You know, when I'm dissatisfied with my physical body, I'll buy a new shirt. <laughs> and I think, well, you know, if I just lose 15 pounds, all the shirts I have will just look a lot better. <laughs> but that takes a lot longer and a lot more effort. <laughs> so let's just buy another new shirt. Right? <laughs> So we want change in our life, but we substitute insignificant change for real change because it's convenient and it fits into our timetable. (laughs) Right? Okay. So we're asking God, okay, God, we want what you want. Now, there's a passage in here. When, When Israel was coming up out of Egypt and God had called them and said, I've chosen you, you're my special people. You, you, are, you are called by many, you're a holy priesthood. Uh, uh, but there's a special verse because God gave him all the instructions for the temple, right? For the, the tent of meeting and everything. And he said, build it this way and be careful to do this and this. And the instructions were, were man, very, very specific. Really, really specific. So there's a pattern. And we know, of course, what happened. You know, we had that tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord came into the tent of meeting. Nobody could go in there when the glory of the Lord was there. And then later on, under David and Solomon, they begin to build another temple, which is also according to the pattern. And they built this thing. And they said when it was totally complete, then the glory of the Lord came on it. And so from that, we realize there's some things that God means to come upon more than others. And, and, and if we would have it, this is the reality, that your life conformed to Christ is something God can rest upon. Okay? This expression of the body of Christ in this room is something God can come upon to touch the region. But what he's looking for is how, how carefully have you approximated the pattern? How, how, how much is what you're doing on earth resembling what's in heaven? That's the question. And what I've seen is that the degree that the actual essence of what I have from my heart right up to my behavior, the degree that that conforms to what is in heaven, God anoints. So there's layers of anointing. But this is what, the, what God said to, to, to Moses. And it's in Hebrews 8, verse 5. He says... He's talking about, you know, the altar and all those things. These things serve, uh, serve the copy and the shadow of heavenly things. In other words, they're not the actual thing, but they are representative of the actual thing. For he said, see that you make things according to the pattern shown in the mountain. So here, here's what I want to talk about this morning. Is we are hopefully putting our best foot forward in terms of mimicking the pattern, grabbing the template of Jesus' life, 
being the body of Christ, whatever that entails as a, as a, as a, as a being a Christian. But I'm wondering how many ways we get it wrong in the, in the sense that we don't really comprehend the essence of a thing, but we grab the trappings of that thing, the window dressing. We drape ourselves in the appropriate language and behavior or something, but we, we miss the heart of it. Well, I, I think it happens all the time, and, and, and I don't feel bad about that. I think it's a, it's a normal error <laughs> on our way to being perfected, right? It's a normal error. But I wrote an article about some element because we're looking for, Lord, what is that expression that you're going to come down on and change our region? These are some of the prophetic words that we have, is that God is meaning to do something in the region of Edmonton, right? You know, and so we're saying, okay, God, how do we do it? And, you know, so often we're looking at, okay, let's learn to pray better. Let's learn to worship better. Let's learn, you know, if we could just, you know, do this kind of song and, you know, this kind of song or, you know, if we could do this. But you know what? Those are, those are all superficial. Those are superficial. You know, they, those things... The, the song, the style, the culture that you've adopted for your church, those are the most visible things, but they're not the most important things. The most important things are the least visible things. And so I, I wrote this article this last week because I was, actually it was last, last weekend on the plane to, to Abbotsford, I wrote this article. But I had read on Thursday last week this article was written in January 2018 by Jeremiah Johnson. It's a prophetic word for Canada about revival. And I, I had read it last year, but when I reread it this Thursday past, as I was reading it, there was a statement that stood out, and I just felt it was so significant. And I'm not going to I'm not going to do a lot, but I'm going to touch on this. And this is the line. He says, "There are mighty outpourings of my Spirit coming." I am doing away with an old religious wineskin in Canada and will pour out my out new wine into gatherings and believers of believers. Now that's interesting. Actually, you know, in in the context of what I'm saying right now, the wineskin is the outward container, but what really matters is the wine. You need both, but what's the most important is the wine, not the wineskin. Though the wineskin needs to have its own characteristics. But anyway, so he says a new wine is going to be poured out into gatherings of believers. And here are the conditions. Who embrace family and the moving of my spirit. So I encourage you, go and read the article. It's on my blog because I talk about something in much more depth that I'm not really going to fully go into right now. But this is... This is what I felt. I came in here this morning. I'm not feeling well. I came in and I was feeling the worship and, you know, and I, and I came in and I began to feel the heart of God. I began to feel the desire of God. It's almost like God, God was pouring out to me, this is what I really long for, Mark. And I saw the family of God. I saw, I saw this expression of a people who truly loved one another, who truly had a, a deep regard for one another and an honor of one another. And then I saw 
kind of how we normally do things. You know, when you have a family, a real family that loves one another, and, you know, most of us, we got two kids in our families or three kids or five, you know, I mean, we, the, the most we usually have is, you know, well, anybody have seven kids here? There's, oh, yeah, yeah, there, I, I knew there was one family, the Ardrons. Uh, oh, you got eight? Okay, yeah, there you go, okay. But, but one, of the, one of the things you have, yeah, you win! One of, the, one of the beautiful expressions that you have in a nuclear family that has a range of ages, it's beautiful how the older ones uh, bless the younger ones. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, you know, when they're really close in age, you tend to have a little bit more friction, you know, a little bit more competition, right? A little bit more dishonor. But when there's that range of things, you know, and the, the little one brings their, you know, their expression of love, and its, it's aesthetic quality is less than maybe a grade eight would do, right? You know, it's in crayon, it's spelt wrong, and, you know, coloring outside the lines, you know, and it's, but still, the older kids, you see, oh, isn't it, that's so great, look, mom, look, you know, and, and there's this, there's this thing, but when there's competition, when there's, when there's envy, when there's pride, when there's, you know, one-upmanship, then there's ugliness, you know, I think of a, a Mean Girls movie where you got these this group that sit back and cynically tear down anything that goes on, you know. And then if you have a structure where, where you know, there's somebody who, who, who they want to curry favor with, those wicked girls, you know, those comp- competitive, you know, you know, then all of a sudden they turn on the charm and they're, you know, all sweet and wonderful. But we know from movies and life that, not always so. So, here's the question. What do we have? What do, you, what do we have as a family? Now, I, I wrote about this because we are moving towards something, and the question is, along the way, do we have just the superficial form of it, or how close are we to the essence of that thing? How close, really, are we to the essence of that thing? And and I, uh, I decided, I, I just did a little search, and I'm going to read a series of scriptures. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 13, 35, but this will all know that you are my disciples if you love, have love for one another. 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, 15, 17, that you love one another. You know, and these are all from John, right? And it's, uh, you know, there's all these admonitions said, you know, don't do things as men pleasers, you know, pretentiously doing it for the, for the right people. And, and this, is, this is the proof, the proof that we are actually walking in this is that, that you do it to each other. 
You know, the fact that you're nice to me is great. I certainly appreciate it. But you know what? It would be disappointing to me that while people are being nice to me because they want to curry favor because I'm the leader and, you know, it's just right to do so or whatever, that you're at the same time being wicked towards one another. Now, you think, oh, no, it doesn't happen in church. Well, <laughs> it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. We were, we were in a situation, in an expression that was, was significantly going after the family model. And I was talking. Uh, I was overseas, and we were, I was talking with some of the key leaders. We had a down day after this event, and we were in the pool, and we were chatting. And, and this person was one of the significant leaders. And they were talking about, you know, they were saying, man, it's so amazing to have the family of God. And I said, yeah, it's great. (laughs) But I was thinking of all the stuff I got to see that they didn't get to see. Because it was amazing. When When you're the leader, everybody's on their best behavior. Everybody's pulling it in. Everybody's, you know... Toe in a line, so to speak. But then, you know, as soon as that person that you don't need to curry favor with is gone, then the sibling rivalries come out. Let me tell you, and this is, I'm, I'm going to cut this short. I'm not going to be very long. But we are here in this church particularly because we are, we are saying to God, and I've heard this again and again and again and again and again with charismatic churches, said, we, you know, we are closer to the pattern than ever before because we speak in tongues and we lift our hands and we're looking for New Testament worship and kingdom worship and we're doing this and this and this. And we ought to do all those things. But how many of those things are the external trappings and how many of those things are the essentials that will cause the very glory of the Father in heaven to come down upon us such that we couldn't even stand in this room. Now, I'm not saying this in any way as a criticism or condemnation. I'm just saying, let's understand what it is we're after. You know, uh, and as you know, people tend to trap on, you know, sort of focus on trends. And right now there's a great trend in terms of Bethel, you know, everybody's, somebody just saying there was an event the other day, everybody's trying to be a Bethel band. You know, that's, that's fine. You know, they, they've got a great culture and a style and a great sound. But again, what is it we are adopting? Because, you know, it's not the trappings of that culture that has made them an effective place in the earth. There's something beyond... The, the songs they sing and the structure of their meetings, you know, that, that there's something more than that as to why they're effective in the kingdom of God. And when it came to John Wimber, there was more than the Hawaiian shirts and the, and the casual style and the ponytails that vineyard people started adopting that was at the heart of why God moved so powerfully through them. And you can look at any template, any structure that God has blessed. And dollars to donuts, there's going to be a group of people that come along 
And they look at the form of that thing and they repeat it, and it's just the form of the thing. It's just the outward contour. It's about this deep. And they wonder, how come God's not anointing this? We're doing the Bethel songs. Because he said, listen, what I want to do is change your heart. What I want to do is to have you, when, when somebody's dancing before me in worship, that you don't sit back, ah, oh, I'd be so embarrassed to be dancing if I were them. Oh, their technique is terrible, and oh, look, if they're making a show of themselves, they're so flamboyant, and, there's, and I know they're a terrible Christian because they parked in my spot the other day. <laughs> I mean, there's this subterfuge of, of judgment and, you know, wanting to pull people down. That, that is corruption. That is utter corruption. And, you know, worse yet, I, I, I see in structures, kingdom structures, where people do that to others in a, in a false allegiance toward a leader. I mean, I've had people do that on my stead. I'll hate them for you. I don't need anybody to hate anybody. And I'm not against anybody. I'm, and I'm, you know, uh, so, so God is trying to do something, a deep transformation of our hearts. And if we could get that, a real capacity to love one another, and it includes what Jose is talking about, because, man, do, you know, the Keith Green song, do you care? Don't you care? The people are dying. Remember that song? What's the, what's the words? Anyway, never mind. I know you could Google it, but... Ah... Uh, so, Father, I pray, Lord, we're, we'll continue to modify the externals. We'll continue to tweak the culture of this place. But, Lord, what you're really going to rest upon is a family of people who de- deeply love one another, who aren't quick to judge and to cast down and to criticize and to belittle and to dishonor. But Lord, there's grace in our voices. There's grace in our perspective. We, we embrace every sincere effort to please you in worship and in the gifts of the Spirit. And we're not going to belittle attempts in our hearts or outwardly. We're going to say, God, we're on this journey. So Lord, help us, I pray to find the thing that you really love. And in Corinthians, all the teaching around the communion, the Lord's Supper, is based on a particular model. And this is what it says in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11. It said, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick, weak, and many sleep. Sleep is a euphemism for, yeah, they're dead. They're dead. They're weak, they're sick, and they're dead. Oh, wow don't want to do that. What, what caused that? 
I think we want to avoid that, right? You know what the whole context is? You've got to go back to verse 19. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized. You see, there, there was divisions. There was strife. There was confusion. There was competition. You read the whole book. It's all about that. It's all about them using their different gifts to fight and war against one another. So when he's saying that if you, you, if you don't discern the Lord's body, he's not talking about the bread. Okay, he's not talking about the bread. The bread is symbolic of what you've done to the body. And he's saying, listen, you guys are being wicked to the body. You hate the body. You're towards my body. So, yeah, it's great that right before you take the cup, oh, I'm going to repent, make sure I'm totally clean. <laughs> but that's not really the heart of this. The heart of this is, could you change your attitude towards the body? Can you start valuing the different parts of the body that aren't exactly like you? You know, I love that we have an evangelist here today because, you know, I mean, the evangelist has not always felt appreciated in this house because, you know, we're, we're into the deep prophetic worship. You know, I don't want us to be a one-pony show. <laughs> I want us to have room in our hearts for all the expressions. When I look around this body of the different things that different people carry, I, I am overwhelmed with gratitude of the diversity of the body of Christ and the different gifts. I mean, where would we be without a Henry Spence? Right? Where would we be without those amazing cooks and those mothers that, that take care of the needs? And, and when, they're, when somebody's, you know, had a baby and they're, can we make meals for you? You know, I mean, unsung stuff. It doesn't play out right here on the stage, you know, the pinnacle of our glorious interactions with heaven. But it doesn't make it unimportant. Man. And so, have we disregarded aspects of the body of Christ in order to heighten our value? Right? In order to, to play up how important our part is, we've subtly, yeah, anybody can do that. <laughs> so I, I want to say, you know, I love the body. I love the body, and I want you to love the body. I want you to love the people to your left and right, even in their various stages of incompletion, and we're part of this journey. But we want to... We wanna, we want to embrace the body of Christ, not just as bread, not just as the body of Christ that died and was buried and rose, but we want to embrace the body of Christ today, the people of God. Amen?